welcome to Disciple Making Mama, a podcast to encourage, inspire, and equip you to make disciples in your home and in the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome back after a bit of a break. Um, yeah, a lot has happened here. <laughs> we actually moved, as I shared with you a few episodes ago. Um, we are preparing for a very big move, moving back to South Africa. But before that, we are having or had now a little move where we moved from the, the big house where we ran discipleship programs and yeah that we had for the purpose really of of having a lot of people there and we yeah in these crazy times with COVID-19 and so on we sadly had to cancel all those uh, more formal programs and yeah that made the house just a a bit silly to keep for another few months because it's just big and um, lots of costs and lots of work involved and also it makes the move back to South Africa then just such a um, a much bigger thing if we move from the big house straight into our eight suitcases back to South Africa. So we actually did a little move in between where we already got rid of all our furniture most of our kitchen things, um, yeah, just a lot of things that that um, had built up and that we had yeah gathered in order to host a lot of people. So that those were our last few weeks, just really getting getting rid of things, and it was also quite emotional for us because really for us. Um, kind of an an era is coming to an end where we're excited about what is ahead but also reflecting a lot about what lies behind and it was also quite crazy for the kids home just disintegrating around them and especially now in this time where anyways things are quite different and we're quite isolated and you kind of want to yeah, shelter in your home that is the safe haven but now the safe haven is just um, being demolished and things disappear more and more so it's been a bit of a of an up and down journey but now we're here and guys this is the most amazing place it's um, we're staying on top of a bible school and sadly the bible school is is not really running at the moment because there are few people too few people who want to study at a bible school in japan um, but on top of it, there's still this little flat and, um, in the Bible school, there's also a church. So, so the church is still continuing. Of course, they're not meeting at the moment, but yeah, anyways, we are now staying in that little flat. We go and yeah, we can, it's furnished so we can use all the, all the things there. It's also in the middle of the rice fields. So I don't think you hear it at the moment, but actually we have frogs singing the whole time um, because they just filled the rice fields with water. And there, yeah, there's there's this whole kind of little park area around here. 
and it's just amazing. And as I, as we arrived here after all these stressful and emotional weeks leading up to it, I just was reminded of Psalm 23 and how, yeah, God is our good shepherd and how he leads us by still waters or two still waters. And it just feels, wow, the Lord is giving us this, this season, this little time by still waters. And also I was, I was very encouraged again, just by the reminder of he leads us because I think sometimes, um, yeah, being at the still waters, you can almost feel like, oh, but is, is God leading me? And, and that's kind of the, the time I find myself in at the moment that I find um, God is not talking to me so much about, you know, next steps or what to do. And then I can almost think, maybe I'm not hearing the voice of the Lord at the moment, or is he leading me still? Is something wrong? And then just to be reminded, no, he leads me to still waters, but then I may also sometimes just be at the still water. So I don't know if, um, yeah, how this time feels for you. I don't know. Does it feel more like the valley of the shadow of death? Or does it feel like the still waters where, where there's just an unexpected rest and actually not so much is happening? But I really hope that you too will will be reminded and be encouraged that God is indeed leading you and that he is your good shepherd so yeah i hope that um yeah in this time where we're a bit more immobile um that we can still remember sometimes the lord even gives us these times of of being immobile of being a bit stuck yeah and also um added to that <laughs> as if that isn't all not enough <laughs> we are actually expecting our third child which will be due in early november so i'm just out of the or i'm just at the end of the first trimester now so i really feel so much better i feel with every day oh morning sickness is just lifting and i have more energy and i'm very very thankful for that but also i am a little bit anxious to be honest and and a bit unsure because yeah these times are just so uncertain and there are so many plans that we have made as a family that we just see they're they're not going to work out so the plan is for for this baby to be born in South Africa but we we don't know so both practically and emotionally I, I find myself having to prepare both for yeah having this baby in Japan or having it in South Africa which is a bit um yeah can get me out of out of balance and out of my peace at times so yeah if you listen to this um it would be really nice of you to also pray for me in that that yeah I would just um yeah not be anxious about the future and also that God would provide both um, yeah, wherever the baby would be born, that I would just know what what is what is a good way, a good place, what are good decisions to make. So yeah, those are a lot of announcements, a lot of background, but that is the reason also why I have been um, yeah a bit more quiet here. 
But I'm really excited now today to dig in again with you. And today we'll again look at um, a Bible passage and see what can we learn about evangelism, about sharing the gospel and about the content of the gospel. So after looking at testimonies and the more subjective part of what we can share with people when talking about the gospel and the kingdom of God last time, let's look at some more objective things again today, continuing our Bible study of how they shared the gospel in the book of Acts. And as we did the previous time, let's ask the same questions. So question number one, what did the people hear or see? Were there any miracles? What caught their attention? What gave the reason to share the gospel? And then how long is the evangelistic message and how detailed is it? What are the main points in the evangelistic message? What do they choose to focus on? Can we see any patterns? Can we see any repetitions? And then lastly, what did the people that were listening, the non-Christians that were listening, have to do in response to the gospel? What were they expected to do in order to yeah, make this good news reality in their lives and to become Christians? And today, let's add another question. What can we, as mamas, as friends, as women, as people of today, take from this passage? What, yeah, what, what can we just learn and apply directly? And what do we have to adapt? Maybe some things are, yeah, different. They're, of course, a, a different context the passages that we read are from around 2,000 years ago. Many things have changed. So in other words, we can look for the principle that we see and that we can apply today. But we also have to think about what we have to adjust in our evangelism today. Because I firmly believe that the principle the principles, the ways of God, his kingdom, his character, the gospel, and the way in which he wants people to be born again have not changed. Therefore, we must not modernize or, or change these things or somehow make them friendlier for a modern audience. The gospel has always been offensive to some, a stumbling block, a, a folly, even a bothersome and horrible stink of death, as we read in 2 Corinthians 2.16. So we shouldn't um, deny that. We shouldn't take that away from the gospel. And here we really need the help of the Holy Spirit and his guidance in, in identifying the principle to not be afraid to share the offensive part of the gospel that we I mean, it is only good news because there, there's bad news. There's bad news that we are sinners who are separated from God, who are heading into an eternity separated from God. That's not a pleasant thing that people want to hear. They didn't want to hear that 2,000 years ago, and they certainly often don't want to hear that today. So, yeah, we, we need really the courage and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to not take that away, we need his wisdom and, and 
yeah, just his teaching to know how can we adapt things, how can we make it practical today as we share the gospel. I've heard a really helpful thought in in this context recently by two teachers, um, and and one was kind of kind of expanding on the thought of the other, and because I really respect those two teachers and um, because their their teaching is also freely available, and because I think that they can help you in digging deeper into the topics of this podcast specifically, I do want to recommend these two to you. I um, yeah, I really hope that that you have people who um, yeah teach you in your life and I don't think we should follow teachers, but just with with the topic of this podcast, very specifically about making disciples and the kingdom of God and helping people, enter the kingdom of God. These two people have really shaped me. And if you feel like you want to to learn more and go deeper, I can recommend their teaching to you. The first is a British guy called David Pawson, who's teaching about being born again and about understanding the Bible really has shaped me and the, the content of what I share in this podcast. And you can find his sermons, literally hundreds of them, because it's he's he's over 90 now, and it's this whole lifetime of sermons that are freely available on the internet um, under www.davidpawson, that's P-A-W-S-O-N dot org. And that's where you can find all his teaching. My husband and I are almost constantly listening to some of his teaching before we fall asleep. It's, it, it sounds a little bit um, as in, like not such a great recommendation that we listen to his teachings before we fall asleep, but it's kind of the time when we, when we have time to listen to something together. And it's, yeah, just kind of nice to, to fall asleep thinking about the same thing and thinking about something really um, meaningful and useful. So, that is our, our little David Pawson routine. So I can really recommend him to you for um, in-depth Bible teaching about especially how to be born again and the content of the gospel according to the New Testament. And then the other teacher who is um, bringing more uh, a practical side, who ha- who is doing a lot of evangelism, who is part of a a church planting ne- church planting network sorry in Europe um, is a guy called Fabian Moreno and you can find him and his teachings under www.com kingdom-focus.com and there he has some very short very practical videos so it's like the David Pawson kind of really gives you that in-depth um, background, Bible knowledge, digging deep, understanding the Bible, understanding the intentions of God, teaching, and then Fabian Moreno, I feel, takes it um, into the 
the practical realm and, and shares a lot about how how do we share the gospel? How do we interact with non-believers? How can we take the lessons from Acts and make them practical in our lives? So, yeah, now I've just revealed some of my sources. The other source is indeed the New Testament. And yeah, sorry for taking you on a bit of a rabbit trail here. But um, yeah, actually what I wanted to tell you was what thought um, I've, I've been recently getting from these two teachers and that has really helped me in looking at the New Testament and um, learning things for my own life, for my own making disciples. And that's this. If we, in our Bible study, lose sight of the principle, so in our Bible study of how did they do evangelism in the book of Acts, if we lose sight of the principle in that and only focus on the method, the recipe, the action, the exact words, then we end up with a ritual and a tradition and that doesn't give life in itself that's not what Jesus did so our goal as we as we study the bible and try to figure out how did they evangelize is not to come up with some um method that we just use like a cookie cutter you know like no matter who's in front of us but our goal is to, to figure out the principle and to take that principle and then flesh it out in our own context. And yeah, I, I think that that is especially important if we are even talking to people who might have a, a bit of a different um, cultural context than we and even in our own country there might be a lot of people that actually have a, a slightly different culture from ourselves so it's very important that we um, that we see what is the principle and not only what is the method and we pass on the principle and we allow these people to um, flesh that principle out in their own context I hope that's making sense I think you'll um, maybe also understand a bit more what I mean by this um, as we continue this Bible study today. So yeah, today let's look at another passage in the book of Acts. Today we'll look at Acts 3 from verse 1 until Acts 4, verse 4. So quite a long passage um, full of exciting narrative and lots of interesting content. So this passage is about Peter and John and how they went to the temple shortly after Jesus had gone back to heaven. So Jesus had been teaching them for a long time uh, for a few days after he had um, risen. Um, he had given them now this command to go and make disciples and yeah here they are going to the temple. And as they go there, they see a beggar who's always there, who is lame and asking for money. And Peter responds with very extraordinary words. He says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
rise up and walk. And lo and behold, with a little support from Peter, that's quite interesting, who helps him on his feet, so he kind of encourages him in his literal step of faith, the guy stands up and he can walk. He praises God and shares this with everyone he meets in the temple. And because the people recognize him as the previously lame beggar, there's no small commotion about this guy now walking around. All these people in the temple coming together, being amazed at what happened, that is the opportunity for Peter to speak to them about Jesus. So answering our first question, what did people hear or see? Were there any miracles? Yes, indeed. They saw a man who had been lame for all his life, walking around, praising God. And this gave the platform for Peter to give them an explanation of what had just happened and to preach the gospel to them. I can only say that I personally have experienced something similar very few times in my life. Sadly, I'm... I'm looking forward to experience this kind of thing more often because um, yeah it's just it's exciting when when God does something so so obviously and people are really um, eager to know what happened and who is this God who did this but one time was when about two years ago I woke up one morning and kind of first thing as I asked the Lord what he wanted me to do that day I had a clear sense that I should go to a certain souvenir shop in the Japanese town that we lived in. And Fuka was teething during that time. And she was very fussy already that morning, early in the morning. And the only thing that would really soothe her was being carried by me and going for a walk. So I put her in her carrier and we walked to that souvenir shop. But because it was so early, it was still closed. I'd just read the sign that they were still closed when the sliding door in front of me suddenly opened. I saw that they had a big group of elderly people who were on a bus tour in the shop. So they had actually opened the shop earlier than usual. And I could go inside. But I couldn't strike up a conversation with anybody and felt a little bit foolish. I mean, here I am, you know, among this, this uh, senior tourist group. And it, yeah, it's kind of, I felt very much out of, out of place. And yeah, I even thought hmm, maybe, maybe it wasn't the Holy Spirit's voice who had heard that morning Maybe it was just a silly idea or a fancy of myself to go there. And yeah, clearly there, there was no opportunity to speak to anyone. So I left. But as I was about a quarter of the way home, I suddenly had such a feeling of wretchedness kind of overcome me. I can't describe it in another way. I really felt that I was seriously disobeying God by going home in that moment. So I thought, well, I, I, I don't want to disobey God. I quite clearly felt him actually give me that choice. Do you, you know, do you, do you want to experience me? Do you want to do life with me? Or do you want to disobey me? It was quite odd, actually, in, in such a little thing to, to have such big thoughts and such big feelings. But yeah, I, I thought, no, I, 
certainly want to obey God. So a little bit sheepishly, I went back. And as I entered this time, I mean, imagine, now here I come again. <laughs> I saw an elderly man right in front of me who had been sitting on a little bench but was now helped into a wheelchair by a younger guy who was clearly his helper. And I somehow just knew that this was the person that God had sent me to. So I started chatting with him. It was very easy because he was right in front of me. And I said very honestly that this might sound a little bit odd to him, but that I would like to pray for him. And in our little chat beforehand, he had told me that he needed the wheelchair because he had such horrible back pain that he could not walk. And yeah, to my surprise, when I asked him, he bowed his head and said very humbly, please pray for me. And yeah, so I laid my hand on his back and said, similarly to Peter in the passage that we just read, pain leave in the name of Jesus. I think I said it probably even less eloquently because it was in Japanese and at that stage my Japanese was not so great yet so I could have kind of everyday conversation but this kind of you know, yeah this kind of command or prayer was a little bit beyond me but yeah I just commanded the pain to leave in the name of Jesus and also similarly to Peter helping up the lame beggar I then asked him if he felt any better because he didn't just jump up and say, whoa, I'm healed, but he was still just sitting there. So I asked him, do you feel any better? Do you feel any change? And could you maybe try to stand up? And he stood up. I don't know who was more, more amazed, he or me, to be honest. He, he stood up and said that all his pain was gone. Of course, everyone in that souvenir, everyone who had been on the bus with him and knew him as the guy in the wheelchair looked at us. And honestly, I'm not a street preacher kind of personality, but as I saw all these people looking at us, I just went for it and told them that this was the God called Jesus Christ who had healed this man, the only true God who had power to do good things like this. And yeah, shortly after my little <laughs> preaching, the bus had to leave quite quickly and everyone was getting ready, but the, the man who had been healed walked me to the door and I could talk to him a little bit more about Jesus and urge him to search and research about this Jesus who had healed him. And also, by the way, Fuka, who had been so fussy and whiny before that, had slipped through the whole thing, through the whole commotion. That was also quite meaningful for me somehow that, yeah, God even took care of my child during this time and she just slept peacefully and I could have a good conversation with this man. Yeah, so what principle or what principles can we take from both the experience of Peter and John and also this experience that I've just shared with you? I think there are a few things, but certainly if we're filled and led by the Holy Spirit, 
he will lead us to people who he will heal and through that give us opportunity to share about Jesus and the kingdom of God with people who would have otherwise not really had a reason to be wanting to listen to us in the in that moment but God will will give us opportunity and another principle i think is that while the holy spirit wants to and does act in great power and in a way is taking over the situation we still have to be the people who step out in faith and obedience who speak to the sick person who speak healing over them in Jesus name and who speak up and share the gospel when there is an opportunity so i think that we can really take um that lesson or that principle that it is both god is acting greatly but we also have to act we also have a responsibility and it's not either or but it's both it's in that beautiful working together that the gospel is preached okay back to peter and john peter took this opportunity of the beggar being healed to and this big commotion happening in response to it to preach to the people what did he tell them and how long or how detailed was the message so peter starts with what the people see in front of them a layman who now walks and he tells them that this should not surprise them let's remember that peter's audience here are people who are supposed to know the character and power of god they're jews who came to the temple to worship so they they are people who grew up with stories of this miracle working god so peter starts with the event at hand but very quickly he moves on to the person of jesus making sure that the focus is not on him as healer him peter but on jesus as healer and creator of life the holy and righteous one so very interesting he introduces god as creator god and he introduces jesus as god he then creates a contrast between this holy and righteous and all powerful creator jesus and the people who killed him yes he had the audacity to tell his audience that they killed jesus he lets them see how different they are from jesus and how their sins are making them stand condemned before jesus so he's he's sharing bad news convicting news but then he shares that there is a way out and that way out is repentance in verse 3:19 or in yeah in chapter 3 verse 19 to 20 he says repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the lord and that he may send the christ appointed to you jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which god spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago so he introduces jesus as the creator 
the one who died, who rose again, and who will come again, who will restore all things. And he says the way back to Jesus is repentance, turning away from our sins that they may be blotted out. And finally, he again speaks to the worldview and understanding of his audience and gives them reasons why Jesus is trustworthy as God and as Savior. So these are kind of my, my summary points, my bullet points, my, um, yeah, just what I took from reading that evangelistic preaching that uh, Peter is giving there. But I really want to encourage you, go and read it for yourself and take some time and really think, what is Peter actually sharing here? What What is his structure? How does he engage with the people? So to summarize again, Peter starts by taking the thing at hand that everybody sees, the miracle, to grab people's attention and to start talking to them. But very quickly, he uses that and and builds a bridge to Jesus. He wants to point to Jesus. Then he gives this contrast of human sinfulness and the perfection of Jesus and introduces repentance as the way to be reconciled with Jesus. And lastly, he again gives Jesus more authority, more legitimacy, according to their own thinking and context. So they're Jews, so he quotes a lot of the Old Testament scriptures to them. But the goal of that is to make Jesus legitimate, in their understanding. So when we share the gospel, we can do the same as Peter did. We're probably not speaking to Jews, so maybe quoting so much scripture will not be helpful. But what will be helpful? Certainly to, to start something with, to start with something that is at hand for that person. Then again, certainly, moving to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, pointing to the contrast of of this broken world and God's loving intentions, the contrast of human sinfulness and the perfection of Jesus. Then to show that we as humans have to take some steps in order to be reconciled to Jesus. We have to repent, we have to turn to him. And then we as well, can um, back up the legitimacy of Jesus in a way that makes sense to that person at that time in that context. So maybe that would mean explaining that the Bible is true and trustworthy, that there are um, real arguments for that, that it's not just a book of fairy tales or myths. Maybe it's sharing a personal testimony. Maybe it's expanding more on the character of God and his law as they're revealed to every human heart in some way. So you'll have to figure that out under the leading of the Holy Spirit with whoever you you talk in that situation. So let's look at our last question. What did the people have to do and what did they do if they wanted a restored relationship with God? I've already mentioned it earlier. 
Peter told them to repent towards God. And later we're told that about 5,000 people believed in response to this message. So repentance and faith are steps specifically mentioned in response to the gospel here. When we share the gospel with people, we have to do the same. We have to tell them how to respond. Sometimes we, we might think that is that should be obvious, or sometimes we might be tempted to give them a, a more cultural um, way of responding, even a, a, a way of Christian culture. Oh, come to church from every from now on every Sunday, or you know you should join this Bible study. You should read this book. Those are not bad things, but that is not the biblical response. That cannot be be all that we tell people how they must respond to this good news. We have to tell them to turn from sin and a lifestyle that was not based on obedience and love to Jesus. And they have to believe, they have to put their faith and trust into this person of Jesus and start living accordingly. Now, the story continues. Peter and John are arrested as a result of this tumult. And again, Peter uses the arrest and the questioning that comes with that as an opportunity to share the gospel. So it's not only positive things that we can use as an opportunity to share the gospel, like a miracle, but it's also negative things. It's persecution. It's when we're being laughed at. It's when somebody makes a, a sarcastic or even... Um, insulting comment about Christianity, we can use those things as opportunities to share the gospel. Even, yeah, very obvious persecution is often a, an amazing opportunity to share the gospel. And yeah, this time Peter's speech is a lot shorter than before, but again, we see very similar key points of his message repeated. So I'm reading from Acts 4, verse 9 onwards now. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. So again, Peter's taking the thing at hand, the miracle, or now the accusation that came on the foundation of that miracle, but then very quickly makes the bridge to talking about Jesus. He continues explaining the legitimacy of Jesus more accurately or, or more in depth according to the thinking and context of his audience here now, touches on, on human sinfulness and the need for salvation, which can only be received through a relationship, a unity, an identification with Jesus, or as he says, through his name, through the name of Jesus. His words are, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, 
the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So this whole cornerstone picture is a picture that makes sense to these people who know the Jewish scriptures and they understand what he's saying. This does not mean that we should go ahead and tell people they have rejected the cornerstone. <laughs> Obviously, they will not understand. But how can we show the people we're talking to in a loving way, of course, but in a very clear way, that they have failed before God? That is, that is actually kind of the, the meaning of sin. We've we failed to live up to our purpose. We are, we're missing the point. We're missing the mark. We're not living like our creator wants us to live. So how can we show the person in front of us that they're, they're missing the mark, but that there is a way back on track to live out the purpose that they were created for? So in, in the second passage, we now see that, that Peter is quite flexible. Sometimes his message is longer, sometimes it's shorter. Sometimes he gives a lot of detail in how, how his hearers should respond. And sometimes he says something more general, like people will be saved by the name of Jesus. But in every case that we've looked at so far, he does, he, he does meet people where they are at, as in the Holy Spirit has given his listeners some reason to be interested in hearing him speak, and he seizes that opportunity. Then he quickly and clearly points them to Jesus, expands on Jesus, and explains why people need Jesus as a savior, and tells them then how they can turn to him as their savior. So as we see that, let's learn from that as we share the gospel with different people in our own context. And as we look at this, different people will struggle with different things or will have to adapt and change the way they've always shared the gospel. Sorry. So if you look at this, some, something might really challenge you and kind of scratch you. And someone else listening to this might be challenged and kind of uh, irked out by something else. So for me, for example, it, it was and is very challenging to speak about the bad news that people have sinned, that they're not okay before God if they don't repent and return to him. And that's something that I, I really had to um, adjust my, my thinking and my preaching, my sharing to the word of God, that I had to repent actually and say, I'm sorry, Lord, that I did not share the gospel like, like it is shared in the New Testament. And therefore, I did not see the results of the New Testament. People were like, yeah, that's nice. You have your fluffy loving God, but I'm okay. I, I, I don't need him. But I've seen when I have 
adjusted my own preaching to the way that I see in the New Testament, there is reaction. Sometimes there's bad reaction. People are offended. And they should not be offended by, by us, you know? We, we are not better than them. We are not the ones who, who are their judge. But if they are offended by, by Jesus, then that is one of the, yeah, that, that is and has always been one of the realities when the gospel has been preached. And we should not be afraid of that. But I've also seen where I've adjusted my own preaching, my own sharing of the gospel to the way the, New Test the people in the New Testament share the gospel and have included what is very challenging for me to tell people that they're not okay before God. People have turned to Jesus. I've not experienced that before. But when I started telling people, hey, you have to turn to God. You, are, you have to make your life right before God. They've done that. And I want to encourage you, whatever is, is challenging you, really think about it, pray through it, dig in the Bible. Is this just Anit telling you something or is this the Bible that, that shows us this must be part of our preaching of the gospel? And then I want to encourage you, to try it out and to see if, if it won't work better than before, if people won't turn to Jesus and be saved. So as we're eager to share the gospel in truth and love, in power and in a way that is understandable to the worldview of the person that we're sharing with, I would just like to pray for you. According to the prayer of Peter, John, and the other Jesus followers that we read later on in this chapter in Acts 4, verse 24 onwards. That's just after Peter and John had been arrested, but then were miraculously released. And then they returned to um, the group of Jesus followers. And then it says, And when they heard it, when they heard that Peter and John had been released from prison, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy name, Jesus. 
Our God is the same. He is still the sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And this world is still the same, the both in the in the physical and in the spiritual realm. There are there's a plotting going on against Jesus and against the kingdom of God and against the followers of Jesus. But this should not hold us back. So, Lord, we ask you now to look upon their threats and also, Lord, look at our fears, our inhibitions, our squeamishness, our shyness, our lack of love and zeal, our fear of rejection and ridicule. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. May you experience that. May the Holy Spirit fill you with courage and may he confirm the message that you are preaching with his power. God bless you and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.